Street veteran Bernard Madoff has been arrested and charged with running a $50 billion Ponzi scheme. Congress wants to know what caused the Enron meltdown. Now, well, the collective rage currently is focused on WorldCom. Tyco CEO Dennis Kozlowski was convicted of looting hundreds of millions of dollars. This is one of the biggest fraud cases ever. Their president's a crook. Well, I'm not a crook. Find out more on this week's episode of White Collars, Red Hands. There is a saying that money doesn't solve all of your problems, but... It is a hell of a lot easier to cry in a Mercedes than it is on a bicycle. Mm-hmm. I always assumed the same was true for most families. Uh, personally, I didn't have the white picket fence or even middle class family that some of my friends did growing up. But I thought that even though all families have their issues, at least Clint, whose dad owned a business and his family could afford to buy him the entire rock band set when it came out, at least he didn't have to deal with that issue like I did. We got to go to his house to play it, though, so whatever. Clint, shout out. Sometimes, though, how well-to-do the family is doesn't stop it from cracking. And all the good intentions, effort, and money that parents give their kids doesn't stop them from turning out evil. That is the story of Brad and Andra, the figureheads of the Sachs family in beautiful Orange County, California, who, although they provided everything they could for their family, their mansion became the center for much heartbreak that eventually led to both of their deaths. The couple had many enemies, and the couple had a real estate empire worth $80 million. But in the end, the killer might be someone a little too close for comfort. So welcome back, everybody. It's the season 13, lucky number 13 finale of White Collars, Red Hands. Uh, If you've stuck it out for the last three years, thank you so much. We love you. For still being here. This is almost as long as my uh, last relationship. Only relationship. Yeah. Well, <laughs> our last and only relationship. We were together for almost four years. Yeah, well, hey. There you go. Look, you've almost committed to this podcast as long. As that steaming sack of shit. I'm about to say, and there's been slightly less, slightly less gaslighting and emotional manipulation. Slightly. Yeah. Less trauma. Yeah. Mildly. Mildly less trauma. Mildly less trauma. Uh so I guess I guess before we start, I wanted to update everyone once again. Scheduling, we just took the week, we <laughs> yes. just took the week off. Happy Thanksgiving, gobble gobble gobble. For I yeah, we hope you had a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, I made the turkey. So did I. Oh, how'd yours turn out? It was okay. Oh, okay. Um, I had a hard time getting the skin to lift to get the butter underneath the skin, so that was annoying. The fuck you're putting butter underneath the skin? Hell yeah, baby. What the hell is that for? I put the butter on top. And inside, I fucking, I shove a stick yeah. of butter so far up that turkey. Yeah, I put it, I line, I coat the inside with butter. Then you lift the skin and stick the butter underneath the skin so that it melts into the meat to make it moist. And then you put butter on the top of the skin. This is some Paula Dean ass bullshit. Why don't you just cook a stick of butter? I tried that, but my parents wouldn't let me. Next year, I want to get an injector and inject the turkey with butter. So that it's really juicy. You're too excited about that. But I hope Or that, vegetable broth. But I hope that everyone else had just as good a Thanksgiving as we did, taking the week off. Hopefully you got to listen to that QA if you hadn't seen it live when we did it on yeah. YouTube. All two of you. Yeah. Hey, hey. Four. Oh. Four. Okay. All right. Which is more than the first time we did it, which was one. <laughs> All right. So thank you. And actually, 
it the the posting on uh, all of our places to get some good hits. So thank you very much for that. Um, but we will be gone without uh, a, a real episode after this until next year. Yeah. Uh, but but we are planning on maybe releasing some some supplemental stuff. Yeah. We, to, to tie you over for the holidays. Yeah. We we messed up the scheduling. Oh, we didn't mess it up. We just didn't look at it. Right. Well, no, I think I think, and hopefully you guys agree that you know, after three years, we wanted to take a little bit longer. Yeah, of a break for the holidays. Hell I'm gonna, yeah. I'm going to be out of town for two weeks, and and it was just hard to deal with. So hopefully, if if, if a few weeks is what keeps uh, us from from you guys still listening to us, then I'm sorry, but but hopefully They'll you're okay fine. with that. And we have will be fine. We have a large back catalog. You have a huge back catalog. So if you haven't listened to all of those episodes, God, there's there's plenty more for you to there's listen like to. There's like a hundred and something. Exactly. We didn't say our names. Well, we're getting there. Okay. This is still just, this is the vamp. We're vamping. Oh, vamping? This is the, this is the intro. Va- vamping, very different than vabbing. Welcome back to White College Men Hands, everybody. My name's Kishan. <laughs> and I'm Nina. And this is, you can expect more of the same. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's the same. So same depending, on where yeah, depending on where your hopes were for this episode, we didn't miraculously change for the finale. This no, is This is how it goes. Uh, but nevertheless, today we're talking about the Saks family. Is this like Saks Fifth Avenue? No. <laughs> oh. Believe Goldman it or, snacks? Believe it or not, that's, that's, we'll talk about that right at the very beginning, but no, it is not. Ball sacks? Yes, actually, Ooh. it's that one. Sacks of shit. Uh huh. Yeah, you got any more sacks jokes? That's only Santa sack. <sighs> We're declining fast. I know. Uh, well, I couldn't think of any more sacks. Uh, yes, as those who have those are my brother's initials, S A K. As those who have listened <laughs> to other seasons, the season finale is always a murder. Murder. So also right up front, uh, trigger warnings. Sacks. Uh, up front, death. Oh. Death of children. Oh no! Um, violence, uh, mental disorder, attempted suicide. Oh wow! There's a lot in this one. So yeah. So if that's you know, I know we don't always do stuff that's this heavy, but you know, it's got some heavy stuff today. So be warned. Heavy ball sex. <laughs> yes, but that's what we're here to do. We're here to make it like we're here to lighten the sacks. Uh huh. You know, make your sacks a little lighter. Just a lift, just a cradle, honestly, in the uh, palm of your hand. Yeah, just or you know, just relief, relief for your sacks. <laughs> <laughs> so let's dive right into it. <laughs> uh, Andrew Sachs was a voracious businesswoman who, although we definitely thought that this, or we definitely thought. This one setting up the run order for this season's episode. She has no relation to any member of the Goldman Sachs families, as far as I could tell. She actually came up from a modest upbringing, uh, but would always tell her friends and family that she was going to be rich one day. She's going to have sacks of money. Sacks of money. She's like, well, I got the name. I just got to follow through. It turns out that she was just from another Jewish family. Oh. That happened to also share... The surname Sachs. Nice. But yeah, her dad was like in the military or something. And at one point, I guess they had moved homes and he didn't even have enough money to like feed the family for a week. Oh. So she kind of turned that into. He didn't have sacks of food. It's not like the seventh time. It's a little bit played out, isn't it? No. Isn't it? I like to do. They teach you nothing in comedy school. I didn't go to comedy school. That's why I'm not and famous. it shows. <laughs> 
That's why I suck. Um, and she, Andra always said she was going to be rich. She was that that poor person who was like, pick yourself up by the bootstraps. Like, I'm going to learn from the mistakes of my family kind of thing. And rich she became. She started off as a sales representative for Frito-Lay, selling potato chips to commercial retailers. But after she learned about a computer chip manufacturing company, she she flipped the script and started selling different chips. <laughs> computer chips. Um, she learned about a computer chip manufacturing company that was looking for someone to buy their surplus inventory. And Andra needed this contract. She, she saw there was a lot of good business to be done in the computer space in like the 1980s, I think, about this point. And not only did she put in a bid for it, uh, she boarded a plane and flew to the CEO of the company's house, knocked on his door, and introduced herself to talk about the deal. Was she hot? Okay, so here's the thing. Like, um, her, her sister said they were hot when she was younger. Mm-hmm. Uh, I disagree. Well, as an older lady, she looks like, like she's a cute little mom, so I bet she would be... Well, it's funny because she's she's like five eleven, and someone described her as like an Amazon warrior. I'm like, okay, she's not that tall. Five eleven is pretty tall because she was pretty. Uh, I guess she was. So she's kind of larger, but I guess she's got a lot of breath. You know, like with a D, like she's very wide. <laughs> like, she could have been a quarterback. Yeah, well, more like a linebacker. You know, she's oh. built built like a linebacker. Oh yeah. So, but she's got a swimmer's body. But yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know if she was showing up that CEO. She house did a shot put in discus. Swimmer's body, they're like live. It's the exact opposite. They have what wide are you talking shoulders. about? Yeah, but they're slender. Mm, I guess that's true. Uh, broad back. She was like a shot putter, is what I'm thinking yeah, about. Shot putting you know? discus. Yeah, hammer throw, like uh, Mrs. Trunchbull from oh. Matilda. All right. Um, so, no, I, I don't think she was. But needless to say, she got the contract Good because, I mean, that's kind of what happens to you fly to the CEO's door. And she flipped the surplus for a pretty penny. Supposedly helped because uh, she sold them alongside her cousin, who once again described them both as attractive young women selling computer chips at conventions where they were pretty much the only women in sight. Hey, it helps when you're the only one. It's easiest to be the hottest one in the the hottest woman in the room when you're the only woman in the room. Dude, it's literally That's like me right now. <laughs> You know what? You are the hottest woman in the room. I'll give I that am. to you. Because uh, Sean's girlfriend's not here. <laughs> if I spontaneously turn into a woman, you would be second. But I mean, that's fair. You are first right now. Yeah, no, it's like a Magic the Gathering tournaments. Like any woman can show up there and get a bunt. If you just want attention, there you go. I should do that. Oh, my God. Are they rich? I, I don't know how to. No. I mean, maybe some of them, but. What's a nerd game that they're rich? Chess. I don't know. Oh, I should go to a chess convention. You should go to a chess convention. And I'll be like, I thought this was checkers. I'd be like, I'm really like, these oh pieces aren't flat. I'm used to the flat pieces. This is a terrible movie scene that you're that you're writing right and now. Then, go get Judd Apatow to invest in this because he probably will. And then I'll get some guy who's like, gets super frustrated with me. And then he teaches me how to play chess. But then he falls in lust with me. And then he marries me. All right, now it's a bad Hallmark movie. Um, it was around this time that Andra met Brad, who was kind of her exact opposite. He was Skinny. a... <laughs> she was just... She's built like a tank. She's not fat when she's younger. Uh, he was a 
professional surfer. Um, he was a champion surfer. I don't know if that translates to professional, uh, but he was also a drummer and kind of an all-around chilled-out kind of dude. Yeah, because he smoked hella weed. Uh, I don't know. No one ever mentioned it, but I guess you could infer it. Um, but the two hit it off and eventually were married. Brad was also a decent businessman himself, though, and the two ventured into a wide range of businesses from a telemarketing company, a wine bar called The Taste of Napa. Original. And Flashcom, an internet service provider that they founded in 1998. And originally, this is the business that brought many investors knocking on their door, which they turned into $15 million in venture capital investment. And Andra was able to bank bankroll those funds successfully, uh, or at least the profits from it, uh, into purchasing real estate and taking up the mantle as the most evil thing ever known to walk this earth, a landlord. Oh. Damn. My dad's a landlord. <laughs> Don't say it. My landlord's a... Oh, no. Oh, not the landlord. Oh. She's so annoying. Oh. Yeah. My landlord. We can't keep... Do we can't keep doing this, all right? It can't be the whole episode. And Andra found most of her success in the real estate business. Uh, buying up residential and commercial properties throughout Southern California's lovely Orange County. Right around the time that the OC was premiering on TV, which was in 2020, which was in 2003, and the 2002 release of the comedic film starring Jack Black, Orange County. People really loved Orange County in the early 2000s. Well, and you had Orange County Choppers. Wow. I did. Yeah, no, I didn't, I didn't think about that. My dad mm -hmm. loved that show. Mm -hmm. There's probably more. Who cares? So. Is there a Housewives of Orange County? I don't think so. You would know, though, right? No, I don't watch that show. Okay, but between the two of us. I would know more than you. Exactly. So this was kind of the time to be person real estate in Orange County, I guess. I don't know. And the value of a property was estimated by some at being worth $80 million. And Andrew and Brad weren't just workaholics, though. All right. They found time amidst the hustle and the bustle to pop out more than a couple of kids. They had to relieve their stress somehow. They lightened their sacks. Oh. Uh, and it started with the firstborn, Miles. Then another son in Ashton, their first daughter. Andra and Ashton? Ma I guess it's not that similar. Andra, Brad, Miles, and Ashton? Yeah. I mean, okay. Okay. Their first daughter, Alexis. How many kids? And the baby girl, Sabrina, all born before 1999. But on the cusp of Y2K the first tragedy would strike the Sachs family. That's some CBT. Striking Sachs. Right. right. I like to do that on my off days. Cock and ball torture? Yeah. Oh, nice. So Sabrina was 16 months old in 1999, and the entire family was residing in a beachfront home in Huntington Beach. Oh, no, she's going to, something bad's going to happen to her. With how busy Brad and Andra had become, they had taken to leaving Sabrina in the care of a nanny most days. 
On a day like many others, with Brad on a business trip and Andra leaving for the office, she left both of the younger girls with their 28-year-old nanny, Lorena. Shortly after Andra left, Lorena looked outside and saw Alexis playing next to the family's hot tub and grabbed the four-month younger Sabrina to collect the two-year-old. Wait a minute. So Alexis is... Two. Two? Mm-hmm. And then the other one's 16 months old? Correct. Dang, they popped them out right after, one after the other. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, they're actually all pretty close together. The boys are a little bit older by a couple of years, but even they're like within like three years old of each other. Um, so Lorena picks up Sabrina out of her high chair to go collect Alexis, who's playing near the hot tub. Lorena sat Sabrina down next to the spa and picked up Alexis, who by police report had fussed hard enough that she kicked her younger sister into the hot tub who was quickly towed down to the bottom and in a panic, the, the nanny, for some reason, did not dive in to save the child, but instead ran upstairs to her husband in a panic who was on the second floor and had him come down. By the time he made it down to the hot tub and attempted CPR on the young girl, it was already too late. Oh, my God. And Sabrina was gone. The death of their child drove a firm wedge between Brad and Andra, as it usually does. By the way, her death was ruled an accident, so... I mean, it sounds like an accident, but... It, it was a horrible accident, but I just don't know why you don't... I would think you Grab that kid. I would think your first reaction would be to get the kid out. It's a hot tub, man. Was you could running? reach into a hot tub. I think maybe, because it said she got, like, pulled to the bottom. Mm. 16 months? I mean, they're, ba- like, dead weight. Well, ba- babies actually have an instinct to, fl- to swim. To float, at least. Mm. Not to sink. Um, they still will drown, obviously, but but they have, like, an instinct to, like, move when they're in water and to float. But, yeah, obvious, But their marriage started getting, like, bad. Yeah, that makes and, sense. And quick. Um, yeah. The couple began fighting constantly. It was so bad that only six months later, Brad filed for divorce, claiming in the court documents that his wife had, and I quote, some psychological problem that results in manic sessions that are unpredictable, unfathomable, and incapable of being rationalized. I mean, I think that'd probably be trauma from your child dying. Your kid did just die, like, six, yeah. less than a year ago, my man. Yeah. Um, but and- I, I mean, I know people whose children who have died and they've never recovered. And it makes sense. I, mean, I, I think it's a very common thing. Yeah, right? I mean, how would you? I don't have children, but I feel like if I did have a child and they passed away, like, I don't know if I'd ever be okay after that. Whoa, remember that this was a comedy podcast, guys? Sorry. <laughs> a comedy podcast? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Dead kids. Oh, well, okay. <laughs> you know what? I'm sorry I said anything. Uh, but Andra Counter... I was trying to think of a dead baby joke, and then I couldn't... <laughs> okay, maybe not. Uh, but Andra countered in her court document saying that Brad was just a neglectful parent. He was just interested in surfing, playing the drums, and his business, and not in their children. Which just kind of sounds like she's saying, you just like stuff. Stop doing stuff. Well, she probably, like, wanted him around more. And his, like, way of coping was probably to go do those things. And then she's, like, resentful. Probably. This is all the stuff that he liked before they got married, though. It's not like like he started doing other stuff that you weren't aware of. Right, right. Um, 
Brad also decided to cut her out of their life professionally as well, though. As in September of 1999, Brad fired Andra from Flashcom. Can he do that? <laughs> at the behest of the investors, I guess. The investors were like, you need to fire Andra, and he fired her. I guess she was like, they said that she was like having like these screaming tirades like in the office. Oh, okay. And that the investors were like, you got to get rid of it. You got to get rid of her. Mm, that's fair. And also probably because like they're like going through a divorce. Yeah. And they still work together. So. Well, that's awkward. As fuck. Yeah. I probably want to be the happiest showing up either. No, no amount of coffee that I have is going to get me over that when I come to the office. No. Thank you very much. Um, but he did do it. Uh, which obviously did not go over well with Andra. She was very upset. And in 2000, a judge passed uh, a divorce judgment after the couple reached a settlement over their property outside of court, which awarded Brad $800,000 because he didn't have a lot of the money. All of the real estate uh, was in Andra's name. And the business also was mostly in Andra's name. Interesting. So... He got money when they divorced, $800,000. And soon after, Flashcom's investors bought Andra out of the business, uh, and it would actually only last another year before filing for Chapter 11 bankruptcy, oh, which would also send Brad filing bankruptcy, like personal bankruptcy himself. Damn. So kind of messed him up. I'm assuming, but not sure, that this was because of the fallout of the dot-com bubble. They were an internet mm. service provider right around the time when all internet stocks were just like, Plummeting. Doing poorly. Yeah. So, yeah, it's probably something to do with that. But their relationship got so bad that in March of 2000, Andrew even filed for a restraining order against Brad. But in an M. Night Shyamalan, what a twist moment, uh, less than two weeks after filing for that restraining order, the couple actually reconciled. And even though the divorce was already finalized at this point, they moved back in together and would stay living together and as like a couple, but now as separate entities for the next 14 years until their deaths. That's really weird. They just had like a shitty year. Like their kid died. They filed for divorce. They said a bunch of nasty stuff in the divorce. They, he fired her from their company she filed a restraining order against him, and then they were like, eh, you know what? Maybe, are we being unreasonable? <laughs> Do you think they just had some, like, crazy sex, and then they were like, wait a minute? Wait a minute. Funny enough, I'm, I'm assuming that's probably at least part of it. I mean, yeah. Get it's probably not, him up. probably not the only part. She made him some mac and cheese. I think he made her some mac and cheese. I think it went the other way because he got like, she had all the money. She didn't fucking yeah, need him. Yeah. <laughs> he came crawling back. He also did get diagnosed with Parkinson's disease. Though. Oh, that's sad. Not around now, but like later. So I think that might have been part of the reason they stuck together because towards, towards the end, she was actually going to like start dialing back on all of her business stuff to take care of him because I guess he was declining. Oh, that's sad. After they reconciled, the couple moved on to a new house as well, a $2.5 million mansion in the beautiful California neighborhood of San Juan Capistrano on Pepper Tree Bend. And although the divorce separated Brad completely from the financial success of Andra on paper, they had settled and now definitely everything was separate, he didn't seem distraught to write her coattails. They also, after seven years, 
decided to grow their family further. This time, though, through adoption, as they traveled to a Russian orphanage in the hopes of allowing one more child into their home, but instead fell in love with a pair of siblings, Landon and Lana, and brought two into the family. Oh, God, those poor children are going to have so much trauma. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Now, yep. how old were they when they got adopted? Do you know? Uh, let's see. This was in 2007. So it was five, nine. But they're like babies. They're like they're like one year old. Okay. So, um, the family was seeming to clip along at a good pace again, but then another bump in the road in 2012. Ashton, the second child, who had recently graduated from high school and showed prowess with computers, seemed to be becoming a burnout. He had no drive and stayed home most days, spending endless hours farming on World of Warcraft and League of Legends. Hmm, sounds like someone else I know. Is it? You talking about me? Yeah. I don't fucking play those games. Those oh. are, I literally put right here, those are two of the neckbeardiest things you can play. You might okay. as well play like StarCraft, bro. Like in the world of video games, even these are not cool. <laughs> Oh, I thought World of Warcraft was like the same as Magic the Gathering. It is not. Okay. <laughs> it is not. They're not. Dungeons and Dragons is owned by the same company that owns Magic the Gathering. But those are also different. All like wizard games. I don't know. Okay. You're really showing yourself here. What? That you I don't as, play yeah, the game? You might as well hold a sign that says, my name's Nina. I don't know shit. Okay. <laughs> Uh, they're all wizard games. I don't even. I'm not going to justify that with a response. <laughs> all right. It's because you know I'm right. Shut the fuck up. You're offending me right now. <laughs> and you're offending nerd culture. How dare you? I just don't know anything about it. I thought it was all kind of the same. We know you don't. I know you don't know anything about it's it. It's like Star Trek and Star Wars. They're very different. It's like Lord of the Rings and Narnia. So different. They're like the same, but different. They're not the same at all. They're just both like really bad allegories of Jesus. I don't even, I wouldn't even classify Narnia as high fantasy. Fantasy Slow for fantasy? sure. No, we don't have time for this. Mid, mid fantasy? We don't have time for we this. We could do this on another episode. We don't episode. have time for this. A bonus episode. We have to get back to Ashton Sachs and, all right. and, and, and his, and neck his beard. League of Legends. So this trog. What is a trog? A troglodyte. What the fuck is that? It's like a fucking mouth-breathing caveman. Is it dude. like a noob? Kind of. Okay. It's kind of like a noob. Is it like an incel or it's a different? You're such a normie, dude. I don't know! So this trog somehow also got a girlfriend. Because she's a, she's a trogette. Got him. Uh, did they meet playing video games? You know what? I don't know. I bet they did. It wasn't anywhere. Uh, but when she came to her senses about dating a League of Legends player and broke up with him, he took it pretty rough. Uh, rough enough to take a bunch of opioid pills and then text his ex asking how many she thought it would take for him to overdose. One of these guys. Yeah, right? But he actually took the pills. Most times they'll just threaten it. Yeah, they usually just threaten but it. But he did actually try. Um, according to Ashton, his parents didn't really acknowledge this as kind of like a cry for help and instead just kind of discounted it. And it was like, well, they did send him to like a psychiatric facility, but he only spent 72 hours there. That's not long enough. And that was discharged with 
no extra like counseling or oh, anything. Perfect, perfect. Great. So and then uh the what his mom figured the best response to that would be uh would just be to like give him a new perspective, let him see some greener pastures, and instead of shipping him off to military school, they sent him to Seattle to a community college in twenty thirteen. They were she was basically like, We're gonna move you away. Mm. We're just gonna move you to Seattle. Uh, where he would be close to his brother Miles, who at the time was studying full time at Washington State University. Go Cougars! I bet his brother was like, "Thank you so much." I think they did actually like each other. I mean, they mm. were, I mean, besides him being a fucking World of Warcraft player, um, yeah, you know, they seem they seem close enough, and they weren't living together. Actually, Andra made sure that he was set up in style in a $234,000 condo that she bought him. And she also bought him a brand new car to send him out there in, too. Damn. Basically like, hey, remember the time when you tried to kill yourself, like, two weeks ago? Anyway, here's a car (laughs) and a condo, two states over. I don't think that's a good idea. Get out of here, bud. Go to community college because it was like, like, the timing wasn't right for him to get into a four-year university, so they just had to send him to community college well i don't know if he would have succeeded in a four-year university i I don't think he succeeded at community college (laughs) uh when he came home for the holidays as 2013 slowly shifted to 2014 it seemed like they would not lose another child he was doing better and just when everything seemed on the up and up the family was ripped apart and this time permanently damn late On February 8th, 2014, as the clock ticked towards midnight, Brad and Andrew were asleep atop their hill on Pepper Tree Lane. Oh, that's weird. There's a, there's an allotment near my parents' house called that. Pepper Tree Lane? Mm Mm-hmm. Well, just before 1.30 a.m., a neighbor security camera caught a glimpse of a white Toyota Prius driving up the street towards the house. No other cars were seen for a while before or after. Someone exited the Prius and entered the Saxes' home. The front door was unlocked. They made their way up the steps to Brad and Andrew's room on the top floor, past the rooms of the three sleeping children, and entered the parents' room and raised a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle to their shoulder and began to fire from short range. After the first barrage, Brad Sachs was shot 10 times and Andrew was shot 12 including, which they said multiple times, uh, bullet wounds to the face. Mm. They were obviously killed immediately. As the gunman turned back into the hall, eight-year-old Landon had been awoken by the sounds and had crept from his room into the hallway since his bedroom was the closest to his parents, right outside the door. Seeing the gunman, he turned to flee, but was met with a bullet to his lower back and collapsed in the hallway, crying for help. The gunman walked past the crying child, past Lana's room without so much as checking the door, and quickly made his way down to Alexis's room on another floor. He opened the door to find Alexis still in bed, who had been awoken to the cries of help from her brother, and seeing the gun, she quickly hid under her sheet. There was one bullet fired, narrowly missing her head, and the gunman turned and quickly fled. And surveillance from a close intersection caught footage of a white Toyota Prius driving away from the Saxes' house at high speed just half an hour after it was seen arriving. The police were called, and the investigation was quickly underway. 
Landon was taken to the hospital, and although he could not feel his legs, they were able to bring the boy back into stable condition. His life was saved, but the bullet had severed his spinal cord in the lumbar region, and this little boy, who thought he had escaped the tragedy of an orphan's life in Russia, has unfortunately never been able to walk again. Poor kid. Ten hours after the shooting, the two sons in Seattle were notified of their parents' deaths. Miles and Ashton made their way back from Washington to be with their siblings and attend the funeral. All of the children gave eulogies, remembering their parents fondly, not touching on the bad parts that had plagued all of them at the turn of the century. Miles talked about his mother's business prowess, that she was a force to be reckoned with, and she had a way of succeeding at whatever she did. And Ashton spoke of a report that he wrote in elementary school on his hero, where he chose to write about the champion of his life, his mother, Andra. Investigators, however, were trying to piece together the puzzle of who would want to hurt Brad and Andra, and they asked the children if their parents had any enemies, to which the older brothers literally produced a long list of names. Interesting. It seems that the business prowess of Andra and Brad had burned more than a few people in their ascension. For starters, there was a class action lawsuit being brought against the two by a lawyer, David Weinstein, who openly admitted to police during questioning that he did not like the couple at all, personally. He was like, oh, yeah, I hated those people. Oh, wow. Um, in this suit, investors burned in the Flashcom bankruptcy alleged that the Saxes had left their investment early to avoid the majority of the fallout on purpose and also illegally sheltered their assets uh, that should rightfully be due to the creditors who were left high and dry in the mm. transaction. Uh, Martha Stewart. Kind of what she did. She pulled out. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But she, like, still got in trouble. But yeah, they yeah. Did. It could be akin to, like, insider trading. Yeah. Kind of. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, in addition to Flashcom, or in addition to the Flashcom investors, the couple also made about as many enemies as you think a landlord <laughs> could make. Uh, hell, one of us on this podcast has left a pretty bad review for a landlord themselves on Google reviews. It was me. <laughs> it was you. <laughs> it was me. Fuck those guys. And Fuck rainy management. Okay, you got him. And Andrew and Brad had many such reviews themselves. It was so bad that police had found many people online forums openly displaying how happy they were that these two were dead. Oh, my God. Because they had been, like, vicious and cutthroat landlords. But we've established it. That didn't care about their tenants. Yeah. So, I don't know what. Also, what fucking forums they were going to. But they had, like, multiple instances of Reddit. people being like, fuck these people. Yeah, I don't know. They Whatever screen grabs they were doing for, like, the, like, documentaries and shit that I watched, they did not look like they were coming from Reddit. So I was like, is there just a place where people bitch? Like 4chan? I guess. That is kind of what it looked. It wasn't 4chan, but it, it looked. They were like on the dark that. web bitching about these people? Yeah. <laughs> but, so, to put it succinctly... There were many leads for the investigators to hunt down, thinking at times that this might be a hired hitman, maybe paid for by someone upset at the couple in a business deal gone bad. Because that's only a select. I mean, they have done many other business deals, and she flew to a CEO's house. You know that she was kind of like, 
she was one of those strong arm business types mm-hmm. that you, people hate you when you're like that. Mm-hmm. Um, however, after hunting down many of these people posting online and excluding David Weinstein, they were at a dead end as far as business partners go. While digging into the dealings of the couple, though, they came across a company that the Sachs had owned that was billed for modifications to a Toyota Prius. And seeing a potential connection to the car caught on the surveillance camera, they called the oldest brother and now figurehead of the family, Miles, and asked him if he knew anything about a white Prius. And he said, sure I do. Ashton drives a white Prius. (gasps) Uh, At this point, Ashton became the main suspect in the murder of his parents. But Ashton had been in Seattle when the investigators had notified him of the murders only 10 hours afterwards, and they knew that for sure. It would have been impossible to drive back in that time as it is a 12-hour drive from the Orange County home to Ashton's condo. And Ashton had claimed that he had been in Seattle the entire night. The investigators had subpoenaed the telephone records of the family, however. And when they came in, they could track Ashton's position through the entire night. A night that started with him making that 12-hour trip from Seattle to Orange County. They also found that he had contacted a car transportation service and asked them to move his Prius from California back to Seattle. So they called the owner of the transportation service, and by luck, he still had the car, claiming that Ashton never picked it up and actually owed him money. Wait a minute. So Ashton drove the car down there. Correct. And then he asked the this transportation company to take his car and take it back up to Seattle. Uh-huh. How did he get back to Seattle? Well, we'll talk about oh. it later. Oh. But oh. he couldn't have driven. I told you that. It'd take, it would take too long. Okay. So how did he get back? Um, so Ashton never picked it up, and he owed them money. The investigators got the Seattle Sheriff's Office to get a warrant to search the car, and what they found would eliminate all doubt that Ashton indeed was the one who shot his parents in bed multiple times and ensured that his brother would never walk again. In the back of the Prius was a 22 caliber semi-automatic rifle that through ballistics testing was proven to be the murder weapon. They also pulled Ashton's financial records, and he had purchased a flight Mm. from John Wayne Airport back to Seattle and was clearly visible on security camera footage, even though he claimed to be at home the whole time. Further looking into his phone records, they also found that when he was at the airport, he had taken the time to do some Googling and had searched the charges for both felony and attempted murder, as well as reading up on the insanity defense. They have got to stop doing this. I yeah, maybe they just don't think. But if you think if you don't think you're going to be caught, why are you googling defense defenses, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, here's the thing: don't think he was thinking super straight. No, don't think he's got it all up there at, at this exact moment after shooting his parents. To death. I agree with that. I agree with that. After taking a 12 hour drive. Yeah. Ashton had murdered his parents in cold blood, attempted to kill two of his siblings, and then cried and eulogized his parents at their funeral, claiming his mom was his biggest hero. I mean, you could kill her and she can still be your biggest hero. Those two aren't uh, (laughs) exclusive. What are you talking about? They should be mutually exclusive. You don't kill your biggest heroes. If you truly, Sometimes a sacrifice has to be If made. you truly meant... Yeah, if they're like fucking... You got a kid. 
kid, you gotta go. I'm I'm done for. You gotta go. Like if you just leave them in a movie, that's fine. But if you shoot them twelve times, including in the face, yeah, they're probably not your hero. And then he also went to Landon's hospital and held his hand, told him it was going to be okay, but he's the one who put him there in the first place. That is terrible. Like, he didn't have to... I mean, do you think he... Do you think he intended on killing his siblings? Yes. Really? Yes. Damn. I think he did. All of them? Most of them. But I think he he pussied out of it after shooting his parents a bunch. Because then he only had enough... He only had one bullet for each of the other ones. Oh, that's all he had left. You just, well, one. Of, well, I don't know if that's. I don't know about the ammo situation, but he only shot Landon once, and he mm-hmm. only fired at Alexis once. Damn. So that poor uh, girl and that poor kid, all of them. I feel really bad for them because it's like because I wasn't sure if he wanted to just scare Landon, and then the bullet hit him. I don't know, man. You shot him squarely in the center of the back. Is World of Warcraft a shooting game? No. (laughs) Which, funny you mention it, because the terrible 48 hours episode on this murder would have you believe that this was caused because Ashton had stopped attending classes to smoke pot and play violent video games. And they literally just, they have a psychologist come on and and say that there is a lot of killing in League of Legends. Like, it's not fucking GTA, bro. You, like, cast spells at people and you like die but there's like no blood there's no gore i was like i was like what the fuck are you talking about it's no uh it's no uh what's the game shit call of duty yeah nazi zombies yeah it's not well they're zombies i mean it's fine and even if they were just regular nazis right yeah uh but yeah it's not they are not violent video games the fact they were trying to get the psychologist to basically be like yeah, it's because he played League of Legends. That's why he's a It's murderer. like being like, yeah, it's because he played Oregon Trail. I'm like, this fucking shit is for 60-year-olds. I it's hate. the Sims. By the way, 48 Hours is awful. Don't watch it, please. It's so bad. Um, but after the investigators arrested Ashton, he almost immediately confessed to the murders, saying he had not done it because of League of Legends, but rather because he felt that his father and mother never actually loved him. He was jealous of the love they had for his siblings and he felt like his life was just completely fucked up only in part because he had stopped going to class but mostly because he just felt emotionally distant so i think he just he just had some mental mental issues yeah um his aunts also do believe though that ashton might have been taking meth as well a statement that would seem to make sense because Ashton admits when they're when they're interviewing him that he had been awake for about four to five days straight. Yeah. Before making that drive to their house on February well, 8th. Well, and if you're actually up for that long, I think after three days you can get cleared of crime because you're technically insane. Maybe that wasn't the Wikipedia article that he read in the airport because that was not <laughs> what he did. Um, I don't think he ever admitted to doing meth, though. Just smoking weed. Well, weed won't make you stay up. I know a bunch of stoners. None of them have murdered their parents. No. As far as I know. Nope. Um, they asked him if he had done it for their money at one point, And to their surprise, he said that his parents had always told them that most of their money would actually go to charity, not to the children when they died. They were only leaving their kids enough to get through college. Okay. 
So he said no. So they don't believe that money was was motivation yeah. for it. Um, if you're wondering as well as motivation for not opening the door and trying to kill his sister, Lana, because that's what I was wondering, because he like literally went to a different floor to try and shoot Alexis, but left her alone. It's because he knew that the dogs slept in the room with her and he didn't want their barking to make enough noise to alert someone that hadn't already been alerted from all of the gunshots. But he didn't have a silencer. No, he's like a 22 year old kid. Mm. I don't even know how he got the gun, to be honest. Oh, yeah, that's another one. Um, originally, Ashton planned to enter a plea of not guilty. But in a twist as sharp as the one in his parents' pursuit in his parents' life when they took each other back, he at the last minute decided to fire his his court-appointed attorney and enter a plea of guilty to the two charges of murder and the two additional charges of attempted murder, with no plea deal, just plea and guilty. Some speculate that it is because he refound his Jewish faith shortly after entering into prison, attending court in a yarmulke which he had never been seen wearing before well the good news is is that since he's jewish he's not going to go to hell for this well they have a hell it's just not the christian version of it. like the yeah, the christian version of hell no mm. fire and brimstone yeah but they have like a not heaven oh which I is like that... their hell hmm. it's the only reason i know that is because it's in angels in america which is a play that oh, my college such a good play. should not have done but we did such a good play. Well, the the one how I saw it was the worst show I've ever seen. I've only read it. it it's a pretty good. It's a pretty good read. Um, the judge decided to give the maximum sentence that he could to Ashton, and he was sent to prison for four consecutive life sentences, uh, one for each of the four counts, and an additional one hundred years on top of that for using a gun in both of the attempted murder charges, which I guess is an extra thing and. California. Okay. Um, a sentence which he is still serving and probably will continue to for a while as he is just about our age, 29 years old. Wow. 12 hours, 43,200 seconds. That's how long the drive took from Seattle down to the mansion in sunny paradise where Ashton took the lives of his parents. Ashton Sachs had 43,200 chances to turn around and not go through with an act that did nothing but bring more pain and anguish to an already hurting family. Not to mention the 15 to 20 minutes he paced the floor in the house trying to decide if he should really go upstairs after oh, making wow. it. To this day, Ashen has not opened up much about the exact reasons that he killed his parents. And if you ask me, I think it's because he doesn't have a good reason. He was the product of product of angst and being told to suppress his emotions, not to deal with them. And now he is given an even worse name for all the gamers out there. Oh, that's what's really bad about this whole thing, whose, actually. Whose mothers who watched the 48 hours episode are now pulling their kids, kicking and streaming from their League of Legends, Mountain Dew, and piss bottles in fear of facing a rifle in the night. And you know, that's the real tragedy of this. <laughs> right? That's really what's bad. God, if you, if you have one takeaway. <laughs> out of this whole thing. <laughs> if you have one takeaway, let it be that. So... That's the story of the murder of Brad and Andrew Sachs, not related to the Goldman Sachs family, but still pretty rich. And not related to Sachs Fifth Avenue. 
No. I don't know. What, what is that? It's this department store. No, not it's that It's a rich either. department store. Yeah, not that either. I don't know. But nevertheless, it was a story of a rich sex. <laughs> and now it's over. So uh, thank you guys for coming with us on another journey of murder. Sorry that there's like not a lot of primary documents for this case. <clears throat> Usually I like to go and read like court documents, but I think for like murder cases and stuff, those are less available to mm-hmm. the public yeah. without doing like a, like a FOIA request, which I just didn't have time to do. Um, so most of this was based off of like shitty, what I call murder porn. Um, because that's all there was to base it off of. Well, so you still did a good job. Yeah. So, you know, it, it felt a little bit like a, like a whodunit or whatever, but it's the best I could do. Um, but thank you guys for listening. Uh, we're excited to come out in the next few weeks with a, a couple of smaller bonus episodes for you. Mm-hmm. And then we'll be back with, with a full fucking slab of content. Okay. Really? In 2024, we're going to be oh, shoving that slab down your throat. So I hope you guys are ready uh and if you are ready why don't you show some support (laughs) by writing us a review on apple Podcasts or leaving us a rating out of five stars five stars please on apple Podcasts or on spotify um if you want to watch our video podcast by the way because there are all of these are in video if you're just listening to this in audio you've never known this you can see our faces if you want you can do that on spotify or you can head over to our youtube channel youtube.com slash white collars, red hands. Uh, that's also our tag for most of our social media. That's going to be on TikTok. That's going to be uh, Facebook, uh, Twitter. Unfortunately, we didn't get it. It's at white collars pod. And then Instagram, it's white collars underscore red hands. Um, but that is also our website too, white collars, hands.com. So you can head over there. You can listen directly. You can check out our merch there. There's a little button. Just check out our merch. Go buy a sweatshirt, t-shirt. The holidays are coming up. Huh? Get 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 your white collars, red hands fan some uh, some swag or yourself treat yourself. God damn it! Um, the best thing you can do though, tell a friend, tell a friend. You know, leave them ominous signs like you're asking them to prom. Write out a W. Write out an H. Leave it around. Write out an I and hide it in a place that no one should be able to get to, like under their toilet seat while they're sleeping. What are you talking about? And then you do a T, and then an E, and then a C, and then an O, and then an L, and then an L, and then an A, and then an R, and then an S, and then a W, and then an H, and then an I, and then a T, and then an E, and then an H, and then an A, and then an N, and then a D, and then an S. And all in between those, you slap a comma. What does that spell? White collars, red hands. Exactly. Yeah. It's like prom. You know, you leave like the P, the R, the O, and the M, and then you're standing with the... That's how I asked my prom date to prom. Is that why she didn't go to prom with you? She did go to prom with me, okay? I had I snuck letters to her throughout the day that had quartet poems in them. For it, prom? I, I know. They were ABAB rhyme scheme, which is, like, so hack. But but yes, and then, I, and then the last one said... And I you did, thought you were killing it. And the, I was killing it. And then the last one said, meet me out by the library, and I was holding a question mark. Damn. All right. Just because no one ever has cared about you that much, Nina, doesn't mean you have to be upset at me. All right. I was a hopeless romantic. I still am. And now I'm rambling. Thank you all for listening so much to this episode. And we will see you next week. No. No, we won't. We'll see you next season, next year, on another season of White Collars, Red Red Hands. Hands.